The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. My topic today, humble pie, humble pie. You ever had the, heard that phrase? Uh, life served me up a slice of humble pie. Uh, it's over the years, the origin was that... Uh, in Europe, especially England centuries ago, it was a peasant meal uh, made largely of the least savory aspects of, of deer or cows or boars or whatever is around. And so over the years, it's a term meaning uh, that those experiences where we get brought down a bunch of notches. Uh, and uh, maybe humiliation uh, in our life, uh, and and then having to uh, apologize and make amends, and that whole process. Who amongst us hasn't had that kind of an experience this week? No, I mean sometime, sometime in our lives. Who hasn't? Uh, we all have, and uh, there's a part of us that feel like they're unacceptable, shouldn't have happened. But what if there's an opportunity in them, and what if there's some power? In these. Today, I invite us to look at times when we're humbled. And I also invite us to look at the quality of humbleness. Had a couple of experiences in that. Um, having a little more time on my hand than I, hands than I've been used to, I've uh, sought to be helpful around the house. <laughs> and uh, some of that's been good, and some of it's been like this fall when I noticed that the four-foot fluorescent light fixture in our closet was dead. And I tried replacing the bulbs, two bulbs in it. Wasn't going to happen. It was dead. It needed to be replaced. And I thought, that's good. I can take this on. Now, we have a rather high ceiling in that closet. So I uh, went out and bought the new fixture, and I got my trusty ladder out and got up there and teetering on the next to the top rung trying to take this thing off, <laughs> not really realizing that being four feet, you can't really reach over to one end very effectively. But at any rate, I got one side off, and then the other side I couldn't get off, and it wasn't. Something was stripped, and all of a sudden, bam, it came down, leaving a rather large hole uh, in the ceiling. But at least it was off. <laughs> and then I got the new one and proceeded to get up there, and I realized I couldn't anchor both sides because my arms aren't long enough. So I, I called in my trusty assistant, Erica, um, <laughs> who from the very get-go was very dubious about this project. And uh, I said to Erica, go out in the garage and get a push broom, and I want you to hold up one end <laughs> while I'm on the ladder fixing the other end. And she mumbled a few things I don't quite understand, but I know the energy. And uh, she went and got the broom, and she propped up one end of the thing, and I'm struggling to get the other part. I, re I had wired it already. Struggling to get that up. Finally got it up there. And then I all realized that, that big hole where the, the, the place was, I couldn't get a bolt up there. And what was I going to do? And so now it's hanging kind of on one end. And <laughs> by this time, Erica's arms are tired and she's exasperated. And so I just go into meditation and leave the project for a little bit. <laughs> only to come back the next day deciding I've got to take that down. And, and I... So I took it down again, and I drilled a hole in a new place. And then I had Erica, much to her um, interesting energy, using the name Roger in a new way that <laughs> holds up one end, and I get the other end, and finally get it done. And so a day and a half later, and a gash in my hand, the project is done. And I looked today, and it's still up there. And uh, I was humbled. And I had to make the promise that I would acquire a list of handymen and that no longer would I 
seek from my male ego to do what ought to be done by two on ladders. Anyway, humbled. Don't sit there looking pious at me. I know that you've done that, especially you guys have pulled this off. And then there's that quality of humbleness, which is also what I invite us to look at today. You know, as Dr. Michelle shared, um, I'm 11 months out from that day that I turned over the reins uh, to Dr. Michelle and Reverend Josh and their team, and they've done such a magnificent job. But it's been a process for me, and uh, it's, it, it's been phases. Um, there was the phase of uh, shedding uh, and releasing, and, and releasing the old roles and the identities, and even that sense of importance that I'd held around all of that. And then moving it into a time of deep listening and exploring beyond what I had come to know and define about myself. And uh, recalibrating my energies. And, and, and it was also uh, times that were very awkward and very difficult. And not just up on a ladder, but just even day by day, very difficult. And yet I stumbled onto the mighty power of humbleness. And it was a revelation to me that from this space there is so much empowerment for you and me. It was a revelation and it was a richness that I brought into my life. So even in those times when we're humbled or when we decide that there's a higher way in our lives that we can express called humbleness, we'll find that there are opportunities and there are power there. And humbleness is an essential part of authentic spiritual development. See, there's a danger in any spiritual teaching, ours included. And that is that we can lapse into a sense that we've got it all figured out. That we've got God figured out. We've got life figured out. That we have absolutely mastered the infinite and we understand it all. <laughs> and then we assume that we have ourselves figured out or at least defined. I'm this and I'm not that and that's, all the way, that's just the way it is. And then when we extend that to others and we decide that we judge them, we judge them and we size them up and we put them in their category and that's it. And, and all of our judgments and assessments get hardened into concrete and we lapse into this smugness if we don't watch it. This arrogance that we really know all we need to know and everything is fixed. And, and we lapse into this, this sense that there's no need any longer to question, to open, uh, to change, to risk. No need to challenge our limits or to grow in our lives. No need to take a look at our thinking and what we think we believe, and look for something new. We don't need that. So we fall into this illusion because we think we, it gives us a sense of control. But the illusion is just that. We think we're in control, but we're actually in prison. We're in prison. Humbleness can be the key to getting out of that. Uh, today I'm going to quote several times from the Tao, the writings of Lao Tzu, an uh, Asian a philosopher 500 years before Christ, uh, many writings and wisdom called the Tao Te Ching or the Way, uh, attributed to Lao Tzu, the Tao. In the beginning was the Tao, and this is, by the way, the Stephen Mitchell interpretation. In the beginning was the Tao, all things issue from it. 
All things return to it. If you close your mind in judgments and traffic with desires, your heart will be troubled. If you keep your mind from judging and aren't led by the senses, your heart will find peace. Seeing into darkness is clarity. Knowing how to yield is strength. Use your own light and return to the source of light. This is called practicing eternity. So a deeper understanding of those moments where you're served humble pie is that the greater opportunity is for transformative insight, breakthrough insights, and for healing choices. Every time we drop down notches, breakthrough insights and healing choices are available. And the deeper understanding of this beautiful quality called humbleness is it's a, it's a quality of simplicity that returns us to the source of our true being. And it's the perfect space for the awakening of our hearts. And the more I have leaned into this quality of humbleness, not only has it profoundly opened my heart space even more, but what it has done, it has brought me into this incredible sense of appreciation, of respect, of honoring, of of all of life, the miracle of life. Once I'm humbly letting go of all of my, my definitions and all that I think I know and I just behold it all, it's stunning. We're a part of a miracle so often deadened to the glory of it all. And, and we ourselves are a miracle. And, I, and I've sensed my eyes opening in appreciation and gratitude for the, even the simplest things in life as well as the most elegant. Going out on a starry night and just beholding the miracle. Holding an infant like the one I baptized a couple of months ago. A new incarnation here to sprout and grow. Uh, so much looking into the eyes of my beloveds in my life, coming here and being with you, walking in nature. That humbleness makes us available to the glory of it all. And it's, it also impels me to want to surrender even more to it all, to let go of my controlling of my life so much and see where the great currents of inspiration and possibility want to take me. Humbleness, very beautiful, very powerful thing. So I want to offer you three particular points of empowerment for humbleness that can get you through tough times and can also grow you in profound ways. These are empowered elements of humbleness, and there's an acronym to help you remember, PI. PI. I knew you'd love that. The first, humble power. Humble power. The journey into humbleness is to take a look at power. It's my belief that every human being has a very high agenda, and that is to up-level their relationship with power. Because people either feel powerless to one degree or another, or they are highly unskilled and ineffective at their expression of power. And this is because for most people, their sense of power is rooted in fear instead of love. 
And again from the Tao, the master doesn't try to be powerful. Thus, she is truly powerful. The ordinary person keeps reaching for power and thus never has enough. There is no greater illusion than fear. No greater wrong than preparing to defend yourself and no greater misfortune than having an enemy. Whoever can see through all fear will always be safe. Will always be safe. I've often felt like there's a great trio of trouble. (laughs) A trio of trouble that we can fall prey to and that is rushing and I did that for a number of years, rushing, clinging, and forcing. Okay? And all of these are attributes of fear. The fear that would compel and manipulate and force things. And the great master teachers, the enlightened masters, have come to say there's a better way. The greatest among them, Jesus, he said, I, of my own self, can do nothing. The Father within does the work. That's humble power. It's acknowledging power can use us. But that sense of separate I can do nothing. Now how many times have I found myself trying to do something from that sense of I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen. And the great teacher would say, what you have to do is open to that within you through which it can happen in ways bigger than you know, better than you know. And he was saying, discover your oneness with the Spirit and be its channel. When you're struggling or you're challenged, remember humble power isn't trying to make it happen. It's opening to the power through your heart, through love, by which it can happen. On his Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, meek is very often translated as humble. Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the good that many strive for. But they will naturally attract. Blessed are the humble. And he said, with God, all things are possible. Now, he didn't say, with your struggle and effort, all things are possible. He said, no, with God. And he would say, God is love. And so we could also say, with love, all things are possible. Humble power, then, are those moments when we move out of the domain of fear. And we open our hearts and we remember the great love of the universe. We remember that we can put away our struggle and our defensiveness and our reactivity and our forcing. And we can relax into this love with an open heart. We can let something happen. Let something happen. And we find a higher order of being emerging for us. Oh, I look at our culture and our society now and I see us trying to move out of adolescence and into a greater maturity. And a part of it is learning collectively the power of humbleness and the wisdom and compassion that will emerge with it. And there are very many voices out there, blusterous, boisterous voices. But what voices do you think will really command history? Be remembered. What voices have the greatest impact? I'd suggest to you the humble. The humble. Like His Holiness the Dalai Lama, I've been privileged to be with him three times and, and to do an interview the third time for our Science of Mind magazine and struck by 
how he would also very often, in referring to the Chinese, the ones who had taken over Tibet, and he was in exile from his homeland, a genocide going on there, culturally and actually in his homeland. And yet he would always say, my friends, the Chinese, refusing to take them into a space of hate, perhaps not approving of what they're doing, and yet holding them in a space because his humble heart could do nothing other than know them as his brothers and sisters. My friends, the Chinese, he would say. And he's held to be the 14th incarnation of the Buddha of compassion. And yet he would say, I'm just a simple monk. Teaching me and anybody who could hear humble power. Mother Teresa said, we do, we do no great things, only small things with great love. Humble power. So I've got an affirmation. A humble power affirmation for us to share together. Read this with me. Let my humble power flow from love. One more time. Let my humble power flow from love. When you're challenged, remember your humble power. Your real power. David Hawkins, he talked about uh, power versus force in his iconic book. And he calibrated as a scientist the many ways people think they're powerful, but they're actually forcing. And it's only the tipping point of courage where they move into true power, and that's when they take on more and more love. The greater the love, the greater the power. Let my humble power flow from love. The second is humble intent. This is the desire when we're centered in our hearts that what we do and how we live our lives is for the highest and best, that our intention is for the highest and best. Now, I know that we can get a little stubborn in our lives. And we can say, no, it's my way or the highway. It's got to be this, it's got to be that. But I've found more and more that as we listen to our guidance and we decide for the highest and best, truly something bigger than we can know shows up. And so humble intent is desiring that we be about the highest and best and that the ripples of our living are beneficial and kind. I'm reminded of the story of Alfred Nobel, a brilliant Swede in the 1800s who invented dynamite. In 1888, his brother Ludwig died. The newspaper got it wrong and thought it was Alfred that had died and printed an obituary for Alfred describing him as a merchant of death because of his invention of dynamite. When Alfred read that, he had an epiphany, and he had some humble pie, and he said, I don't want that to be my legacy. And so he established the Nobel Awards, the Nobel Prizes for advances in literature and science and peace, and that's what he's remembered for, showing us that we can shift our intent to be beneficial in our lives, and to realize that If we're beneficial, good will come back to us. What we put out is what will return to us. That's why I'm so passionate about our foundation. It's a way to leave a legacy. Stop by that table. Humble intent. Humble intent. Again, uh, from the Tao. The mark of a master is freedom from his own ideas. Tolerant like the sky, all-pervading like the sunlight... Firm like a mountain, supple like a tree in the wind, 
He has no destination in view and makes use of anything life happens to bring his way. Nothing is impossible for him because he has let go. Let go. So we let go of what we think is our agenda and we listen with our intention being for the highest and best to unfold through us. And perhaps to show us dimensions of ourselves we don't know yet. Because you're not just this fixed entity, just one way. Certain qualities, certain talents, certain abilities. You're so much more than that. You are an ever-evolving possibility. In my first two years in the ministry, I was usually frightened most of the time. <laughs> I'd started at 24, and part of me said, you have no business doing this at that age. But I took on a little group in Portland, Oregon, that, that didn't know their way, and I knew I didn't, and we were a good group. Uh, we were a good match. I remember at the, at the start of the, the first class I was to teach, our foundational class called Science of Mind One then, now called Beyond Limits. And it's a, it was then a 30-session course, 30 sessions, three trimesters of 10 weeks. And 12 people um, signed up for it, and one of them scared me to death. He was this super brilliant engineer, super brilliant. And I thought, oh my God, he's going to ask me questions. <laughs> and I'm going to have to act like I know the answer. So we trudged through the class, and as we went on about halfway through, I felt I had my sea legs, but he was always pretty quiet, actually, until we got to the last trimester, and the students were reporting in with projects about how the teaching was in, in, informing and transforming their life. And it came his turn, turn, and he stood up, and he flushed red, and he looked down, and he was trembling. And he said, but, but because of this teaching, I'm doing something, and I've never done it before. And I'm, I'm embarrassed. And I'm thinking, oh, good God, get this class over with. <laughs> and he said, but, I, but I, I'll tell you, I'm, I've been writing poetry. And I thought, oh, good God, that's good. <laughs> and I said, wonderful. And he said, but I don't write poetry. I don't do that. And I said, it appears that you do. And that there's... <laughs> a dimension of you that's revealing itself. I bet you brought something to share. And he said, well, yeah, it's not very good. He read it, trembling all the while. It was incredible. We were all teary-eyed. And he was urged to submit it to our Science Mind magazine and another publication, and both of them published it. And he kept writing poetry, revealing something bigger. Humble intent to be about the highest and best in your living and within yourself. Here's an affirmation we can share on this. Together, let my humble intent promote the highest. Again, let my humble intent promote the highest. To intend to be about the highest and best in you and around you because of you. And one more then, humble ego. It really comes down to having an open heart and higher intentions that bring the ego into the light and leadership of the soul, of the spiritual self, of the God self, such that we give up our defending and our reacting, our resisting, our rigidity, our controlling, our demands and expectations on others and self. And the ego in lockstep with 
the soul, becomes the instrument for unfoldment in our life, for using everything that comes our way for some constructive purpose. There's great uh, opera singer, Risa Stevens. Some of you will remember her from long ago. Uh, In her youth as a singer, she heard of a contest by a radio station to find a female singing voice, and she signed up for it. And she wanted this so badly, she invested a whole lot of time and money, most of it borrowed money, uh, in training for this. And the day came, and, and she sung, and she got to the finals with only one other girl, and they sang their hearts out. And at the end of it, she lost. And she was devastated and upset and crying and declaring she'd never sing again. But her vocal court coach with a big heart took her aside and fought his way through all of that. And he said these words to her. He said, Risa, have courage to face your faults. You did make some mistakes. You made some errors. And the other girl did actually win. Humble pie, yes. Opportunity also. Because in that humbling, it says that once she got over herself, she went on to work hard and to make progress like she had never before, becoming eventually one of the greatest operatic solo, uh, sopranos of her day. I think that's a good affirmation for the 2020. I'm getting over myself. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Humble ego is an ego anchored in love and an ego that realizes that even when we have our setbacks, we're still worthy. See, humbleness is not about unworthiness. In fact, in deep humbleness, we discover superworthiness. We discover we've been worthy all along as spiritual beings. It's the ego that bought into inadequacy and started competing and dominating and playing all these games. But the truth of our being is we're worthy. We're an expression of the divine. And once the ego falls into that awareness, it becomes a tool for the spirit for good. How about this as an affirmation for us to declare? Let my humble ego trust my worthiness. Again, let my humble ego trust my worthiness. Today is a clarion call for us to move out of fear and into love, to open our hearts through the incredible bridge called humbleness. It's hard to be alive and not get hurt from time to time. Maybe you are today, just afraid. And we can do all that resisting and clinging and forcing and compelling and, and feel unworthy and confused. We can do all of that. But remember humble pie. Remember your humble power, which is actually your ability to let God power show up through you, through love. Remember that if you shift your intent for the highest and best, it's going to show up, even if it's unexpected to you. And then you can relax your ego and remember that I'm worthy and I will continue to unfold. Let's say these three together in summary. Together. Let my humble power flow from love. Let my humble intent promote the highest. Let my humble ego against my worthiness. You anchor these and you will be in lockstep with the divine and miracles will be afoot in your life. I close with the words from Micah. And so what is required of you? What is required of you but to do justly, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? 
Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org. Peace out, friends.